Let me tell you about the time that I did magic mushrooms on Good Friday. I'm a little hesitant to share this story with you. There's a few reasons. One, because I'm becoming a therapist and there's a certain ethical framework that I am required to follow and psychedelics are at this current moment illegal in most parts of the world. Not all, but most. And sharing this is, you know, a very honest explanation of an experience I had, meaning I broke the law. However, I do also believe that psychedelics have an immense therapeutic and personal healing effect on you if used correctly. And I'm pretty sure all the numerous studies that are being currently done and that are in phase three trials agree with me. (laughs) So I'm going to share it. Another reason I'm a little hesitant to share is that I don't want to glorify this experience. In fact, to follow up from my previous episode, I really do believe psychedelics need to come with a pretty hefty descriptive warning label and that's because a lot of the time when you or people or humans turn towards psychedelics for their healing purposes they they treat it almost like they do antidepressants it's that idea that I will take this and then I will be better it will fix some chemical imbalance in my brain or it will fix something and I will then be completely free of my mental illness or my problems or my struggles or my negative or perceived negative coping mechanisms. But the reality is a lot of the time is it just, it it makes the situations brighter. So there's a quote that I learned when I was in a consultation group with some renowned psychedelic facilitators that will rename nameless. And the quote basically is what I just said. It's that psychedelics don't make things better. They make things brighter. And this is really the best thing that I think about when I'm on my own trips, as well as preparing and helping others decide if this is something that is for them as well. It is by no means a small commitment to surrender to the medicine And when you do surrender to the medicine, things can go pretty crazy. And that's what I'm going to share a little bit about in this episode. So I took 3.5 grams of psilocybin penis envy mushrooms, which if you are into that psychedelic scene, that yes, that is the strain that Terrence McKenna create it through like various crossing a bunch of strains together it's a highly visual strain and can have at least in my own experience and the people that have also used the same type can really impact you in a way that is like in your face it's not so much soft like golden teacher can be this one is like pow in your face you can't miss this At the time, I thought I knew what 
the F I was doing. Like truly and honestly, I thought I understood it all. <laughs> and that was my ego that that grew very, very, very large over the course of the la- my late 20s. But that ego was actually just really scared because I truly believe that I turned towards that medicine because I knew that there was some healing subconsciously that I still needed to do, but my my awareness that I actually had wasn't too sure. So in my true inflated ego fashion, I entered into the trip on Good Friday with a few intentions. The first one was that I wanted to meet, and I roll my eyes thinking about this, and believe me, like full on, like up to the ceiling, <laughs> roll my eyes. I wanted to meet with Jesus. It was, it was one of his days, you know? He's a very good day. It was like, he died. He died for us on this day. Except it changes all the time, and I don't think that's actually how it works. But anyways, isn't it in a different part of the year? I'm not entirely sure. But anyways, <laughs> I did it regardless. And I wanted to meet with Jesus, Shiva, and Ganesha. I had just gotten into uh, Ram Das and Hinduism and that element of spirituality, And as I surrendered to the medicine after taking it, one thing that I noticed, especially on penis envy, is that I tend to have visualizations or hallucinations of Hindu deities. And it's always been in a golden holographic type like view. A lot of the time, it's just, I believe the stucco, is that stucco? Is that what it's called? Like on the ceiling is what creates these visions or what like morphs into the the hallucinations that I'm seeing. Um, But yeah, so like I was very, very into it and I went all in. I was like, I'm going to listen to some shamanic ikaros, which is like songs that are sung normally in Spanish or in an indigenous indigenous language, also Portuguese, to people that are taking or on like medicine journeys or adventures. It took me on a ride. But the craziest thing was is that I chose not to wear my glasses because I am blind as a bat without glasses and without contacts. And I chose not to wear them because I wanted to be able to figure out if the hallucinations I were seeing was in like the atmosphere or if it was like in my mind. And then, so essentially, was it something that needed to come into focus from my eyesight outside of me or was it something inside of me? So as I'm lying there listening to the songs just on Spotify, luckily I don't have any ads pop up (laughs) because I pay for it, (laughs) Um, which you have to do if you do a... Uh, a a psychedelic trip and you listen to music make sure that it's ad free it will mess everything up a little side note but as I sat there listening to the music and allowing all of the energy to like course through my veins two holographic bumblebees came into my awareness with my eyes open now a lot of the hallucinations that people see are usually with their eyes closed which was something a lot of people didn't tell me would have scared me a little less, I think. Um, but this one is very much with my eyes open. Now, I was laying on my back in Shavasana, and it very much felt like how people describe alien abductions. I was almost paralyzed, but in a calm way. Like, I wasn't nervous about it. 
and I could see these two holographic, golden holographic bumblebees hovering over me. And I remember being like, Amy, just surrender. You can't get out of it. You're here. You've called this in. Like, this is what is being given to you. And if you don't know, I am quite... I hate using the term spiritual because I feel like that just doesn't encapsulate what I believe in. But I have a very strong source to my idea of source or creator or the universe. There's a level of faith that I have in the magic that exists that allow me in a very like non-cognitive way to surrender. Because believe me, that part of me is like, holy fuck, what is happening? Oh my God, like stop, just get up, stop this. Like, but then there's the clarity consciousness or how I view like my higher self coming in and being like, it's going to be okay. Surrender to the process. So here I am having two holographic bumblebees and I'm like, what have I got myself into? And they go in and they're hovering over my chest and they're going above and then they're going in and they're going up and above and in again and I can only imagine it's some form of surgery like they talk about or it's something like they're healing something which is I guess arguably like (laughs) surgery so I just like gave in and the whole time I'm listening to like very intense like ikaros and I don't I, I have no conception of how or understanding of how long it's been I have no concept of time and I'm sitting here having a very intense visual open eye experience with two bumblebees and then something happens and my whole my mind just switches over and it's like you got to stop so I just like turn over and I get up and I wait for my boyfriend who is also on his own trip in a different room I wait for him to come out because something told me I just like couldn't take it anymore now I didn't know this at the time but In the Bible, Jesus is represented by a bumblebee. Shiva, he is not represented as a bumblebee, but his feminine partner, which is, I think it's pronounced Pavardi. I always pronounce it wrong. Pavardi? I forget. But she also takes a form as a bumblebee. Now, I hadn't called in any feminine energy, which I believe can, like, really tip the scales and make things a little bit more hostile. So... Part of me thinks it was like, all right, like you called in this person, but like we're going to or this like entity, but we're going to we're going to call in backup because you need like a little bit of like balancing out. And then that was pretty much the whole trip, except like coming off of it. I went outside and I fainted and I uh, my partner thinks I had a seizure. I'm not too sure, but it was nuts. And I was in public and people saw me and I'm pretty sure a neighbor was very close to calling 911. But we collected ourselves, we got inside. (laughs) That was it, in quotations. Now, the one thing about psychedelic trips when used in a therapeutic sense is that if you are asking for divine intervention or, you know, healing of some, some element, it usually doesn't just happen in the container of like you taking the medicine. It's way too smart for that. What it's doing is it's creating change within that is then going to require change without. Meaning there is like a recalibration inside that changes your internal environment. And because we follow 
the idea of like whatever's going on inside is what's going to be pushed outside. Meaning if we're happy and joyful, like genuinely happy and joyful and like in love with life, then our outward environment, our friends, our relationships, our community is overall going to match that vibration because we pick up on other people's energy and we adapt to it. Now, We'll get in more to that at a, in a later episode because I think that's integral to figuring out what how to deal with this world. But at knowing that and knowing that if you're changing that energy inside, obviously after a psychedelic trip, you're going to have to go and change something externally in your life. Now, some people come out of these types of journeys and they do something very rash, such as break up with a partner, quit their job, you know, sell their house and move to Panama. And a lot of the time, although it's like courageous, it's not necessarily the right move. And there was a misinterpretation of what the medicine was trying to teach. At least a misinterpretation that would allow them to maybe skip some steps. Meaning, I believe everything happens for a reason, so you can never really miscalculate the universe. It might just take you a little bit longer to learn the lesson you're on. Um, But ultimately, you will end up where you're supposed to be. At least, that's how I like to think about it. After I finished, after Good Friday passed... A lot happened. I talked about it in the previous episode. I found out I was pregnant, which is why I fainted. Um, I had the COVID vaccine and I ended up in the hospital a week later. And then um, I had like lingering chest issues. And then I had blood tests. I found out I had all these like iron deficiencies that were causing me to like feel like I was dying because like maybe I was. And then my grandmother was like dealing with a lot of stuff and... Um, she was processing the death of like a really close friend and it was like arguably like the last friend she had. Um, and then like, it just, it sounds like nothing, but the amount of stuff that I went through in the 14 months following that trip were equal to like what people go through in a lifetime. Although I believe it probably would have happened regardless had I taken that psychedelic trip. I don't think it would have materialized in the exact same way. It was the hardest 14 months of my life. I hit depths, like low depths, that I never thought was possible within my mind. I had suicidal thoughts more than I ever thought I could. My mental health was so bad that like a car horn would send me into like almost like shock. And at the same time, my dog is mirroring this to me and he ends up with cancer. So I have even more stress. And then I have just like the everyday stress of the literal world falling apart because we have to remember what have we gone through collectively over the 14 months? What have our individual communities gone through? And to be able to simultaneously see the destruction but also evolution of the outward space mimic what's going on internally has been very affirming to my beliefs but also to the potency of psychedelic medicine and what is possible on a large scale now i don't believe it's for any everyone 
I believe that a lot of people that are opposed to it stay, are opposed to it for a reason. It might change down the line. Cool. Amazing. I'll be here for you to help you and guide you when you're ready. I also don't believe that it's right for everyone that wants to do it. I believe that a lot of people jump the gun on some things. And although I'm not, I don't want to be viewed as a gatekeeper to this medicine, I want to be viewed as someone who's like, just by the way, like not a gatekeeper, but just kind of like a gate checker. Like, just like make sure, like ultimately it's your decision, but just like, here are some things you should know. Um, I have a friend and colleague that is about to embark on this trip and they're going through a huge transition, a lot of transitions. And then they're having like family dysfunction stuff layered on top and also the forging of a completely new identity to go on top of it. And they really want to sit with the medicine and Again, at the end of the day, of course, I'm going to support them, but at, but also, it might not be the right time. But again, that doesn't mean that it'll never be the right time. It's just not the right time now. And the reality is, the funny part about this all is that that's the medicine doing the work as well. Because I'm also a firm believer in the medicine working, even though it's not necessarily ingested. For instance, ayahuasca, it said that as soon as you commit to the trip is when the medicine starts working, even if you've never had it in your body before. And I mean working in ways that like don't make sense to the to how most of us perceive the universe. And that's why I will continue to surrender and put my faith into this practice and to this upcoming, hopefully hugely beneficial to our society and our world i just can't wait for it to hit the hit the shelves if you will and obviously lots to unpack around that because it's not as simple as just like we'll we'll give it to people and then they'll be better because it's not an antidepressant and antidepressants don't even do that i'm intrigued to see how it progresses i'm intrigued to see how canada specifically approaches this in contrast to the United States, where we have universal health care. I've also loved to see the price tag on it. I think that's going to be one of the biggest things, is that people are going to um, have access to a therapeutic setting, but it's going to cost a lot, whereas the black market will most likely continue to stay quite cheap, but there's no framework. So where will we go with that? And don't worry, there's a lot of people working underground. There's a lot of options. And we're going to talk about this in a future podcast. I hope you found some useful information in this episode. Maybe it gave you some insight if it is time for you to sit with some form of psychedelic medicine. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's time for you to take a different step in your healing. Maybe it's time to finally sit with your feelings because that's also a whole other level arguably harder than sitting with medicine. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to find me on the interwebs, you'll find me on Instagram at amy.damone, same at TikTok. Both links will be available in the show notes. If you'd like to be a guest on the episode, please reach out amy at amydamone.com. I'm specifically looking for people who want to discuss psychedelics and all the terrifyingly beautiful changes that have been forged into your reality because you took the leap and you surrendered.